Hey everybody, it's Mary Trump here. I just want to let you know that the Mary Trump Show with the Nerd Avengers is going to be live on stage. You can get your tickets at politicon.com slash tour. On May 7th, we're going to be in Chicago at the House of Blues. On May 9th, we're going to be in San Francisco at Cobb's Comedy Club. May 10th in Portland, Oregon at the Aladdin Theater. And finally, on May 16th in New York City, my hometown, at the Gramercy Theater. Again, to get your tickets, that's politicon.com slash tour. We cannot wait to see you there. today's episode of the Mary Trump Show with the Nerd Avengers. Um, let's start here. Fish Sticks is out. Don Lemon is out. <laughs> the amazing, wonderful Harry Belafonte has left us. He's died at the age of 96, so I wanted to uh, give him his due later on. Uh, Fonnie Willis finally, finally defines the word imminently. Okay, ready? Are you ready? Apparently, imminently means between three and five months from now. I will take it. Um, and in a shocking move that surprises absolutely no one, President Biden and Vice President Harris announced their bid for re-election, uh, which is a wonderful thing. Um, we'll talk about all that, but first I have a question, Dahlia. You ready? Yep. How many corrupt right-wing Supreme Court justices does it take to screw over the American people? <laughs> um, See Jennifer, what I did there? I was You thought I was yeah, going to tell a light good. bulb joke. Thank it, you. it was good. Uh, Jennifer Rubin and I were just having a brief green room um, powwow about the extent to which they all feel entitled to be billionaires. They think that they you know, all their law school buddies are billionaires and everyone they pals around with are billionaires. And so they just think they're entitled and whatever these side hustles are. And the reason they don't disclose them is they don't that they're side hustles. But it's just a crack up to me that they think they're martyrs, like they are serving the country and therefore are entitled to live like kings. It's so freaking depressing. And it tells you where we are kind of in the legal profession, but also just in terms of how we think about service. It's just, it's totally depressing. Yeah. You know, Dahlia, along those lines, it's always amazed me that when people make excuses for people in power by saying things like, think about what they gave up. They could have had this amazing life if they hadn't decided to be like, I'm sorry, if you're a Supreme Court justice, if you're, if you are in the Oval Office, you, that's an honor, you know, that's bestowed upon you. Plus it comes with lots and lots of perks. Sure. It's hard work, but if you don't want to do it, don't run. I mean, it's, you know, the absurdity of, of that, um, with great power comes, uh, great, opportunities to uh grift i don't i don't think that's the same i think it's with great power comes great responsibility but what do i know uh but the, it's like these these latest revelations as far as i'm as far as i see it they don't tell us anything new about the individual people like are we surprised that clarence thomas is as corrupt as and disgusting as what we thought he was are we surprised that uh, Neil Gorsuch, who showed himself to be a man without honor by agreeing to take a corrupt nomination in the first place, and that Alito is going to make egregious accusations against the sitting president of the United States? None of that's surprising, Dahlia. What's surprising to me is the lack of spine, the lack of willingness to do anything about it. What is that about? What is going on? Well, I mean, I think like, look, people like Sheldon Whitehouse are trying to do something about it. I think there is a small, very, very uh, clear eyed group of people who are trying to get ethics reform passed, who are trying to have an inspector general, who are trying to make sure that they, they want, you know, Merrick Garland to start an investigation. The problem is there's nobody supporting them. They're seen as sort of nutters and outliers, even though they are calling for the only reforms that I think are possible. And to me, I, you know, it goes back to this theme, Mary, of we are 
such a monarchic people in some sense. We just think that we live under the dead hand of Trump justices for all time. And it really sucks. And we're really sad, too bad, but we don't want to do anything about it. And sweeping into that is a whole conversation about court reform, about structural reform, about term limits, about all the things that like 0.1% of the population are really pushing for. And I think in some sense, it's utterly self-fulfilling. If we think they're monarchs and they think they're monarchs, then it's just a perfect circle. You know, um, one other thing that struck me um, as Dahlia was explaining the sense of entitlement of the justices is, in fact, they are in an era where they give up so much less than in the past. These people write books. Right, right. Presumably they don't donate all those funds. They go to European vacations and guests speak in Europe over the summer. They have a magnificent intellectual and, frankly, economic lifestyle. Yeah. So of all the people to be complaining, they're the least entitled. Yeah. 20 or 30 years ago, there weren't these outlets. And frankly, judges didn't make a lot of speeches. They didn't write books. I actually liked that era better when they actually kept their opinions in their opinions and at least maintained the pretense the that they hadn't made up their yeah. mind on yeah. everything. Jen, they're like robber barons at this point. Yes, <laughs> yes incredible. they are. Not like are. And to yes. Dahlia's point about the weakness, there are three weak links in all of this really important ones. The first is Chief Justice Roberts, who is going to go down as the worst Chief Justice with the least moral suasion. Somehow, I yep. don't think this would be going on, even under Rehnquist, who had the yep. respect, whatever you thought of his views, he had the respect of all the justices. They wouldn't want to embarrass him. Roberts has none of that sway. Right. Second weak link is Dick Durbin. Um, I wrote a piece um, if you don't mind the uh, colloquial, ripping him a new one, um, yeah. failing to, first of all, not just invite, but insist that either Roberts or uh, Thomas come forward. And secondly, maintaining the moronic blue slip that allows these Republicans to hold up uh, justices. Um, so number two in the weak link. And number three, although I support his reelection, he's been a fine president, President Biden has done everything he can to really throw cold water on the idea of court reform. Um, and I wish he would just, even if he doesn't advocate, give it time to percolate. There yeah. are many smart people who are trying to at least put this on the radar screen for 2024 to begin the discussion of why we need term limits, of why court expansion would not be uh, the end of uh, you know democracy as we know it, um, why we need a mandatory code of ethics. So instead of simply throwing one's hands up or saying, we don't want to do any of these ideas, this very nice commission, which I appointed, came up with, just let it grow. There are groups out there who are advocating, there are individuals, there are politicians, and at least give them a green light to get some public opinion behind these reform ideas. Yeah, I, I that commission was was demoralizing, <laughs> I have to say. Um, anyway, uh, Brian, do you want to talk more about well, the idea of court reform? Yeah, I think... Uh, Jennifer, I mean, sorry, court expansion? Well, yeah, the, the court, well, both, but uh, right. Jen points out something really important and that is it there's a, a there's a disconnect between those who've been in power for a long time and those who have not and those traditionalists that uh, is represented by our our, our current president kind of loathe to take a look at expanding the court or the court reform while there are younger uh, leaders in both parties who would like to do so and I think that that's one of the problems that you're going to have and why it does need to be brought up now because look it Whatever else you say about Donald Trump or or Joe Biden, they represent uh, an era that is fading in American public uh, leadership. Not that Donald Trump has ever been a leader, but uh, he's he's. But the idea that younger people need to be involved in this and expand the court is is key. I mean, I cannot remember a time in my life where you actually had a Supreme Court justice screaming in front of uh, a, a hearing. I still like beer. I mean, <laughs> just, the, just, the, just the depths of depravity. Here. 
Yeah, just the depths of depravity in that statement alone. Ten bucks he's selling t-shirts. We just don't know about it yet. Yes, We're gonna find and the out. The bobbleheads. Don't forget the bobbleheads. Oh, and the cozy thing. Or the sexual different. assault. Don't forget that. Well, either. and we mm. did a lot of stories on Gorsuch when he was up at the newspaper I was running at the time. He was a local boy, and we pointed out all the problems he had, like dr- dumping a woman on the side of the road at a party in college, and him the things that he did that he's able to get away with because of privilege. It, it well, and also because Christopher Ray, for reasons which big comprehension is still uh, the head of the FBI, but that's a conversation. Yeah. But at, at, at the end of the day, without expanding this court, because the Federalist Society has been so successful in stacking the court with six. And I mean, I'm talking six very conservative Catholics. Over the last, they have Mart. They have made an effort over the last thirty years to do it. Democrats have not countered it. You need to expand the court, or at least limit the terms of the people on the Supreme Court, because by God, they live a life of privilege, and there's yeah. no way in hell that they can connect with the average person. Any of the six of us here sitting here right now, hey Norm, any of the six of us sitting here right now have nothing in common with those people. They are the haves. We are the have-nots compared to them. We're really white. But that's maybe the end. That's the beginning and the end of the similarities. Uh, Cliff, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, I mean, what I want to say um, is it really it's it's emblematic of that greater divide we have on the Democratic side on so many of these kinds of things when it comes to fighting back, and that there wasn't even we should be happy because there wasn't even this divide like during the Obama administration. Everybody was on the side of caution. You can't do anything. You can't change anything. Oh, don't rock that boat. But we do now have this sort of and it largely age, not completely, but largely of younger, you know, your Swalwells and your Ted Lou's and your Plaskets, uh, you know, and that, people like that in the House. And you have some younger Senator Eric, uh, what's his name, not Eric, Brian Schatz and Chris Murphy. You'll have them among governors who aren't willing to do this anymore. And they're sitting there and saying there must be massive reforms. We must do things, even if it's un- if it seems unseemly, you know, oh, my gosh, break with tradition because that's what the other side's done. And as that wing grows more into power, I believe, and I believe Hakeem Jeffries is of that ilk too, I think we will get to a place where this happens. The, the problem is, of course, with the Supreme Court, it's a race against time, and we need it to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, Norm, we've been talking about the egregious awfulness of the, <laughs> the right, right-wing uh justices, if you even want to call them that anymore, on the Supreme Court. And, um, you know, Dahlia pointed out that instead of, in addition to having sort of that general conversation, we, sh- we should focus in on the recent uh, ruling, uh, or I should say, ruling to stay, sorry, to continue the stay on uh, Mifepristone, which was a good thing, but the dissents, especially Alito's dissent. So two things. What it what is what was that dissent about, and what does it tell us uh, about what's happening going forward? Did, what did I do? It was it, something. Did I miss something? Uh, no, you're just laughing at me for no reason. Okay, I'm having one of the. I just had to. Yeah. I just got off the phone with my accountant, so you'll understand. <laughs> Tax time why, is why, why I'm a bit. Uh, well, it was anyway. That must um, be so. So the good news is that they granted the stay to continue the stay. The bad news is Alito's dissent was so beyond the pale that it's just another example of how out of control these activist right-wing judges are. Roberts isn't going to do anything. I don't even care why anymore, uh, whether it's character or logical or he just agrees with them. But I, I think... I want to I want to explore what the stay means. Is that obviously it's good news now, but is it is it going to last? And how much damage is Alito going to continue to do, not just to the court, but the the ability for the American people to have any faith in this court? So uh, a a couple of rants on the Supreme Court. Uh, First, it is Alito. It's the, the Alito court more than it is the Roberts court. Yes. Um, but that reflects a broader reality. Uh, John Roberts' ha- tenure as Chief Justice has been a catastrophe from top to bottom. I'll go back to the beginning. 
He had a confirmation hearing in which he pledged that he was going to seek out eight to one or nine to nothing decisions rather than the five four ones uh, to restore the integrity of the court. And he would respect stare decisis and he would try to rule on the narrowest of grounds to build those larger majorities. Before you could clear your throat, he took up Citizens United, which was a complete lie uh, of his pledge. Remember that this case was brought in a narrow as applied way. There was in fact an easy way to make it an eight to one or nine to nothing decision. And he decided, pushed to some degree by his colleagues, but he decided to pull it back and argue it in the broadest way that had not been briefed, was not involved in the decision. So that was the start. Now, I, you know, I have people tell me, well, the chief justice is weak. There's little he can do. He is the head of the judiciary. He could have right at the beginning or at any time along the way uh, applied the code of ethics, the code of conduct that applies to all the other judges. He resisted it. He gave a speech resisting it. He has stood by while every norm of the court has been shattered. The idea that they all now get along. Alito basically went after uh, Amy Coney Barrett, along mm -hmm. with all the other women in this dissent, yep. which was despicable in yep. every respect. But let's come back to John Roberts. This is the Roberts court in a formal sense, even if it's the Alito court otherwise. Mm -hmm. He has soiled the Supreme Court in multitudinous ways. And at the same time, just to, I mean, Dahlia uh, will weigh in on this. I think this will hold when they take it up again for a couple of reasons. One is they cannot get too far from the standing issue without having huge problems themselves. And this is farcical, the idea that these doctors who had nothing to do with prescribing the drug, who created some phony pretext for standing, uh, would be enabled to uh, get through with that, it ain't going to happen. Yep. The second reason is, as we know, this decision, if it held, would be a grievous blow to the entire big pharma, all the pharmaceutical industry. And the idea that the court, much less the Republican patrons in the Senate, are immune from pressure from big pharma, who knows which justice we will learn bought property or sold property to a pharma executive before we get too yeah. far there. I don't think they'll, they'll let that go. But right. the idea that they will step back from Dobbs and not try to go further in other ways, forget it. There are yeah. still fanatics on this court. That's right. Five and a half or six fanatics. There is nothing more important to the quality of my life than getting deep, restful sleep. And one of the things that makes that possible is getting your body to the right temperature. So whether you want to get more fit, be a better parent, or get more done at work, better sleep with Miracle Made Sheets will help you tap into the power of self-cooling temperature regulation, which has been shown to improve deep sleep quality by over 20%. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. And their sheets use silver-infused fabrics originally developed by NASA. That means Miracle-made sheets are thermoregulating and are designed to keep you at your ideal temperature for relaxation and deep sleep. With Miracle, you'll get better sleep every night. And just imagine how great it's going to feel waking up totally rested, ready to go. Plus, their sheets are self-cleaning, thanks to their embedded natural silver that prevents 99.7% bacterial growth. They stay fresh and cleaner three times longer than other sheets. So stop sleeping on bacteria. With Miracle Brand Sheets, you can sleep comfortably knowing you'll have fewer breakouts, fewer clogged pores, and fewer skin problems of any kind. So go to trymiracle.com mary to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And with Mother's and Father's Day just around the corner, this is the perfect way to give someone you love the gift of better 
and more luxurious sleep. Save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code MARY at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. Miracle is so confident in its product, it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Mary and use the code Mary to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Mary to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. You can also find the link in the show notes. Yeah, I, I mean, Dahlia, I, I never thought I would <laughs> be confident in the fact that Supreme Court justices might rule the right way simply because otherwise it might endanger their uh, access to luxury vacations. But here we are. Um, <laughs> So it's a nice yacht. Uh, yeah. So following Norm, hopefully you can help clear up my uh, word salad from earlier. <laughs> no, I first of all, I was just laughing because you, your question was just Alito question mark, question mark. And I thought that was perfect. I was laughing okay. because that's all you needed to say. Um, OK, a, a, one quick thing about Alito as well, his descent. I mean, it's such a grievance descent. And that's like the yeah. you know water he swims in is just perpetually aggrieved yeah, and familiar. self yeah. pitying. And it, um, the other thing that I think is shocking and maybe didn't get enough attention is the implication in his dissent that the Biden administration wasn't going to do the right thing. That's yeah. who the hell, I mean, this is the guy who follow like, the law. They right. weren't going to follow. <laughs> well, and by the way, couldn't follow the law because they had two conflicting, you know, mandates from two conflicting courts. Yeah. But I, the idea it's so of a piece with the relentless attacks on the administrative state. And it is yeah. so of a piece with, you know, the, the, the kneecapping of the EPA last term and the persistent claim uh, that the problem with government is government. And it's just so shocking that he would put a line like that in a dissent. Uh, the other thing I want to say just on John Roberts is I think I've said this before, but I really want to say it again. Go go back and read how um, Abe Fortas was ousted from the court. Yes. Adam yeah. Cohen, um, his amazing book from two years ago, he's got an op-ed a few weeks ago in, I think, The Times, just explaining the key of Chief Justice Warren pushing Fortas out. He was an absolute prime mover in making sure that as the Nixon administration, as Nixon's attorney general worked the levers, the chief justice was the one who wrangled that. And they were both liberals. So just to be super clear, like the idea that there's absolutely nothing John Roberts can do, he's paralyzed because he has no soft power or you know formal power is just not true historically. And we keep forgetting that lesson. Here's the last thing I wanna say. And I think this goes to Norm's point about optics. To the extent that anyone thought that the court blinking last Friday at 7 p.m. and issuing, again, an unexplained shadow docket order with no law in it, I just want to be point people to the oral argument in a case on Wednesday that kind of went under the radar, this case counterman that was about a stalker, somebody who was harassing someone on Facebook for years and years and years. Go back and listen to the oral argument where the justices are reading the harassing messages and laughing, like laughing ha 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 at the abuse that was heaped on this woman who, by the way, you know, left the state of Colorado, stopped performing music, was so traumatized by her stalker. And they and they were defending his messages, but also laughing. And the thing that I just want to point out is that justices who feel that they're on the ropes, that they're under scrutiny, who feel as though women in this country are invisible to them, wouldn't have done that, wouldn't have centered an entire oral argument on the claim. And Justice Gorsuch made it, Justice Barrett made it, and Justice Thomas made it, that the problem with rules that prevent people from cyber stalking and harassing women is that people are too sensitive that we're right. all eggshell people and we're all hypersensitive. And I just want to, to the extent that we think that the court cares what we feel about them, that was a st- 
staggering. Performance. Didn't they ask like what yep. reasonable even is? I didn't mean to cut in, but like that one line with like, what can even be re considered reasonable anymore? Because the left has gotten to be so sensitive in this. And I know two of the justices said that like, openly you know they're, they're talking that way yeah well we are we are a wig after all we have objective reasonable person standard in so many realms of the law the idea that the one place that we can't have it is in you know hateful vicious uh internet harassment is is beyond belief but i think just going back and listening to that argument and listening to the justices laughing at uh, how benign these messages were tells me they don't care as much as we think they care. Yeah, I, actually, Jen, I don't, I, I don't think they care at all. And why should they? I mean, I, it's sort of, it's how I feel about Donald. Like, why would he ever think he's going to get held accountable for anything? Because he never has been. That's where we are with Thomas, and who never should have been on the court in the first place. Who probably sent Gorsuch, one of those messages. Uh, Kavanaugh, right? Uh, <laughs> who never should have been on the court in the first place. So, on the one hand. You know, the ruling proves that misogyny is not just for men. Um, and two, that, you know, this Supreme Court is like akin to animal house. I, it's just there are absolutely no standards of ethics or um, I don't really like this word, but morality in the loosest sense of the word. Dean Wormer in animal house. I'm sorry? It's Dean Wormer in animal yeah, house. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so, Jen, I mean. What is there any way to convey, uh, especially as we're coming into an election season, to Democrats who never seem to have gotten the message how important the Supreme Court is, just how important the Supreme Court is, especially when it's a rogue Supreme Court that is not accountable to anybody and that far from having its fingers on the pulse of what the American people want is willing to stake its claim with the 30% of anti-democratic fanatics. You know, it's interesting. I interviewed Tammy Baldwin and the um, interview is up today and she had a great comment and she says, it is important that voters understand how we got here. And what she meant by that is Republicans have always had this connection between the people they elect and the court they want. Democrats have not done that in the past. They somehow separated these two things. And her point being that you need a massive public education campaign to yeah. explain that the reason we have this Looney Tunes Supreme Court that is so far from public opinion farther than any other court that I can think of, at least the Tawny court, half the country did believe that blacks weren't, you yeah, know, human exactly. um, you know, they were closer to public opinion than this court is, um, that you have to begin by educating democratic voters and in essence, making them one issue voters, which is on the court. Second issue, Republicans, or rather Democrats who are running for the Senate have to be put to the test will you figure out a maneuver around the filibuster in order to enact court reform, voting rights, and other fundamental civil liberties? And they really have to be pushed because the problem is not just mansion and cinema. There's three to five other Democrats who are going to be very skittish, even yep. if somehow they get a couple more votes and they're going to then become the problem. So yeah. it's important that the base, that activists begin to put pressure on them, that we expect this. Um, we're not going to sit through another, you know, Durban, um, pretty please, you know, hearing. We're not going to go through another debacle like the filibuster of the voting rights uh, package um, in 2020 um, and to really put the screws on them. I just want to add a couple things to Dahlia's fabulous dissection of Alita. Understand that the test in a stay is whether a side will have irreparable harm. He never in that entire rant considered that women would have irreparable harm if they did not have access to an FDA approved uh, drug. And that's because women do not exist for him. 
my sister, who's an appellate lawyer, had a great saying. She says he's like a kid with one of those pink erasers from grade school. And he just erases the women out of every opinion and every issue that comes before him. So that is one outrage. The other, understand that he said there would not be irreparable harm because the administration would be in contempt of court, would take the decision to defy the law based on nothing, based on sort of a Fox News kind of rumor suggestion that the administration never adopted, never said was nowhere. And that if that were the standard, then you'd never have a stay for anybody because the other side could always just refuse to go along. Like, this is just legal chaos. This is beyond the attempt to even rationalize backwards. At least if you were rationalizing backwards, you'd come up with better things than this. This is yeah. just a vile temper tantrum. And I would say that the one very reassuring thing in there was his very snide remark that if the government and the FDA simply waited long enough, the Fifth Circuit, or certainly this court, was going to give them what they wanted. That, to me, was a little dig that the other justices on the Supreme Court have told him to go F off, that we don't want this kind of crap. You said this was going to be the end of abortion at the court. Um, we're not going down this road, so forget it. And if that's really how they felt, Roberts should not have afforded him the extra couple of days to write that ridiculous opinion. That's yeah. why it was delayed, because they yeah. were extending him the courtesy of writing this ridiculous dissent. No more courtesies for this guy. Frankly, it's for his own protection. He just makes himself even more objectionable and more <laughs> a subject of ridicule. So next time, don't give him any time, any time, yes or no. That's all we're asking you on the shadow docket. And Keep your asinine opinions to yourself. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. But um, I just want to point out that we are almost at capacity. A cop reporter, uh, Jen Taub, is on assignment in the main streets of New York City. So she can't be with us today. But Danielle Moody, Brown Mary, welcome, guys. And Waj, we have not seen you in a really long time. So I uh, welcome back. I hope uh, that um, Ramadan went as smoothly as possible, given the fasting uh, restrictions, um, and that all is well. How are you, my friends? All is well. Uh, it was only because of Ramadan because the schedule was brutal for me. But yeah. uh, I'm now drinking water during the day again. It's it's a it's a brand new feeling. <laughs> wow, you glutton! All of you. You're a glutton. And, uh, the the folks yeah. in the comments section. So yeah, a lot of people are like, uh, "Did was Mary angry at you for uh, that you tried to usurp her by calling yourself Brown Mary?" I'm like, "No, no, it's just Ramadan. I promise." Well, I actually really was very offended. She was upset. <laughs> it was a four week ban. Which just happened to coincide with Ramadan. Um, anyway, so we we were uh, talking about this approved court, but I want to shift gears a little bit, Waj, um, because there's an, a thing or two going on. And honestly, I don't want to talk too much about Tucker Carlson because <laughs> uh, because it's I think funny. the only thing important about that is why, mm. and we don't know that yet. So. Uh but I, I can tell I can fill you in a little bit. It has some to do with the the suit from the producer. It has less to do with the outcome, but it has more to do with what we haven't heard yet. And what well, I heard from staffers, that's exactly what I just said. Look, we don't yeah, know but, yet. But what I but what I've heard from staffers is there's some pretty strong accusations that are going to come out against management uh, and Tucker in that suit. And so that was. Uh, key to it i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt mary Go no, ahead. no no it's okay i'm dead but I, i'm saying that that because we don't really know we can speculate but everybody's speculating so let's not speculate in fact for uh, almost 30 minutes last night rachel maddow went off on some one of those centuries-long tangents that uh was really just brought us sort of nowhere but i don't think it's nothing um i i want to speak more broadly about what's happening in cable news and why there seems to be a shift going on, but I, I can't get a sense of where it's going. And I also don't want anybody to think for a second that just because Tucker Carlson gets fired, that's going to change anything and that we can all let our guard down. And um, 
just as with Don Lemon, I don't think we know why he was fired. We know that he was fired without notice, uh, which, again, either means that it was something. Well, obviously, we don't know what it was. It was something so horrific. They didn't feel he deserved notice or it says more about the direction CNN is going in. Uh, watch. So do, you, do you have any thoughts about yeah, we the, just, you know, the media and I landscape? We just talked about this uh, for 20 minutes, and, and we'll share our thoughts, but we'll work backwards, right? Uh, because you talked about, you know, I want people to stay on guard because I'm old enough and I have the gray hairs that when Bill O'Reilly, who used to be the number one demagogue in Fox, to the point where he inspired Stephen Colbert's fictional character, once he yeah. finally left due to numerous sexual assault allegations that Fox knew about, and paid money for, it became clear that he wasn't worth it. So when mm -hmm. he wasn't worth it to Fox, which is a corporate entity, they got rid of him. Everyone celebrated as they should. But I said, the next guy coming up, Tucker, he'll just be the new Bill O'Reilly. I was wrong. He was Bill O'Reilly on steroids. He took it to the 10th degree. So I gave the analogy of Hydra. One head gets mm -hmm. lopped off, two heads take its place, right? So the question is, who will be the next white talking head at Fox? And another thing, a little wrinkle, and I hate giving Fox ideas, is they're using people of color. I'm sure they're listening. But they're using people of color now aggressively to launder and yep. Trojan horse their racism, just like this guy Vivek, right, with the yeah. Don Lemon CNN clip, uh, the anti-woke CEO who's running for uh, president, the son of Indian yes. immigrants, who sounds like, you know, some of the white nationalists on Tucker Carlson's show. So I want people to be prepared that Fox cannot change its stripes because the business model now of right-wing radio and right-wing media needs to churn out a constant daily outrage hit. The base has been radicalized that they need their daily hit in their veins. If they veer away from it, as they saw uh, just with, you know, post-Trump briefly, <clears throat> you go to Newsmax or uh, One American News Network, right? So the business model needs to churn out this, this, this baseline hit of hate and fury and rage who will replace it now that being said i still think we should celebrate because the dominion lawsuit in addition to taking the 787.5 million also as brian was saying and we can only tell you what we know has through the discovery process revealed a treasure trove of redacted texts and private messages messages and what reporters are saying is that the stuff that we haven't seen but fox executives have seen show that tucker was using the same type of language, sexist, racist, demeaning language, not just against immigrants and Jews and people of color, but also against Fox executives and colleagues. So I think that makes some snowflakes, Mary. They're okay with giving Tucker a platform to dish out against women, immigrants, Jews, people of color. But once he dished out against these Fox executives, apparently that would hit too close exactly at what Norm said. Hey, hey. And as Brian was saying, the, the, the sexual uh, harassment lawsuit by his former booker is also revealing how rife his workplace was with sexism and racism on top of this Dominion lawsuit to the point where one nugget that we got was he called Sidney Powell the C-word. So if you think that Fox cares about sexual harassment, I give you their entire history, Roger right. Ailes, Bill O'Reilly. Right. But what is important for folks, and this is where Don Lemon comes in because me and Daniel were talking about this, is... Men in media, in particular, when it comes to their egos, when you get that perch, when you're the host of a show, it's the apex. You are in the driver's seat. And you sometimes, with your ego, delude yourself into thinking that you're bigger than the network. You are not. And right. Rupert Murdoch and CNN and Zasloff and Licht reminded Lemon and Tucker, respectively, you are a pawn and a product in the system. And if you are not worth it financially, you are out. And with right. Don, we don't know what we don't know, but we know he's had a history, unfortunately, of misogyny. He he railed against Nikki Haley, made his two female colleagues uncomfortable because he doubled down and said she's over the hill. Once that article came out two weeks ago outlining his history, I, I told Danielle, he's out. Just wait yeah. for it. He's out. And then according to the New York Times, and this is what's really troubling, he should be out for that. But according to the New York Times, he was out for his really good interview where he pushed back against the racism of his guy, Vivek. If that is yeah. true, Mary, that is very concerning and shows that CNN has gone all in, as we have talked about on your show, yeah. with courting the right wing for both sides reference, and it will be terrible for media. Yeah. yeah. What a worry. Uh, hang on, Brian. I want to, Danielle yeah. hasn't had a chance to talk yet. Um, what worries me is that CNN will see 
is Danielle? Oh, okay. Sorry. You were so still. I thought your picture was frozen. It's like, are you like meditating? Like, that was, that's awesome. It's like, she's on very, mute, Danielle's very Zen today, but she's on mute, but she'll unmute. Um, so that, that CNN is going to take this as an opportunity to fill a, fill a void that doesn't actually exist because everybody at Fox is just as bad. They're maybe just not as open about it. And you know, I also want to say that I never thought I would feel sorry for Sean Hannity, but everybody forgets that actually Sean Hannity was the next Bill O'Reilly and then Tucker Carl. I know it's just so sad and he has such a thoughts well, and prayers. Anyway, small <laughs> little violin. But that 8 p.m. Um, slot at Fox is like the spinal tab drummer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um anyway, so that yeah, so Danielle, that 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 CNN is going to take this as their cue to move farther to rank because somehow uh, there's an opening with the absence of Tucker, who, of course, will be replaced by somebody just as bad who will probably be worse because and everybody needs to remember this. These people don't get fired because of their politics and their ideology. They get fired because they keep fucking up in their personal lives and crossing lines and having to pay a lot of money in lawsuits <laughs> that's to settle lawsuits rather i think that the thing that is really important to understand and for people who watch this show who listen to independent podcasts um is that media corporate media is a machine it is a money machine it is about how much money you can make and who you can make that money off of and like wash said it is the ego of these men who is always men um, that believe that they are more powerful and that their personal brand is bigger than the network. And the, at the end of the day, if you want like actual news and like actual information and deep analysis that doesn't come um, in a five to, you know, to, to seven second soundbite, then invest in independent media. Because at the end of the day, like you're only getting what it is that the corporate heads in the C-suite want you to get. Right. There's a reason why everyone had their fucking cameras uh, planted on Donald Trump's tarmac and plane, you know, as he was coming into New York for the indictment trial. There's a reason why instead you're not going to hear about, you know, the, the kids that were walking out of, of, of classes in Tennessee and taking over the, the state building. And that was only like an aside in many mm -hmm. people's shows as it was happening and it continues to happen. There's a reason why you're not gonna get the coverage of kids walking out of school in Florida and all of these different places because the corporate hacks, the entities that be that have the power to green light and create these segments and to usher our democracy forward, they don't see money in that, right? The money is in the grip. The money is in keeping people complacent. The money is in that. And so I just, I, I think that what we are seeing and what we've seen for a while is this shakeup in mainstream media, is people moving away, right, from having their eyeballs on, you know, the Tucker Carlson's and the Don Lemon's and the quote unquote prime time and finding their sources elsewhere, right? Because, you know, it, it's like, People had always said to me, and I go on MSNBC probably weekly, right? But the point is, the people always like, oh, Danielle, you should have a TV show. And I'm like, ain't nobody putting me on TV. Like, are you crazy? Right? Uh, like, I get the five-minute hit time. We're working on it. We're working like, on it. Here's the thing. I don't want to be on TV. And why You will. You, you will. I promise. But I, I don't because I don't, I, feel you. I don't want my social media to be owned. I don't want my voice to be owned. I don't want people telling me what I can tweet, what TikTok video I can't do, who I can talk about. Oh, don't talk about this administration because we have a revolving door and we want folks to come in. Like, People need to understand that when you see people and you're like, oh, I wish that person had a show, there's always a reason why those people don't have their own shows. Right? Well, that's because we need a different network. That's why. Yeah, it, well, that's what, I, that's what I'm network. talking about. I'm not talking about the pre-existing structure. is a dangerous one. Uh, Brian, quick follow-up. Uh, oh, well, wait, I just want to first you know, I want to thank Danielle for promoting the book. It's called Free the Press. <laughs> that, well, just, that's the, the point of all. Hang of on it. one second. Hang on one second, though, because otherwise I'll forget. Because as I mentioned, I had to talk about accounting earlier. So my brain ah. is still a little bit fried. But Danielle mentioned something that may, reminded me of 
something we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, for those of you who weren't here or who didn't watch, uh, we had an amazing show led by Norm in which we talked about his initiatives uh, for uh, mental health and police reform. It was phenomenal. And it was just this reminder that we, apt to, to Danielle's point today, we need to stop once in a while and focus on something that's extraordinarily important for ourselves, our children, our future, our democracy, and not only get wrapped up with uh, current events, which makes it possible for people with nefarious intentions to get away with things like banning books and defunding libraries. So, um, you know, I want all of you to give me your suggestions, but next week I want to focus on what I just said, book, book banning, widespread book banning, um, defunding libraries when the book banning situation doesn't work, because by the way, the best way to make a book a bestseller is to ban it. Please ban my second book. I beg <laughs> you. Uh, it's called The Reckoning and it's worthy of being banned. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that because it sounds bad. No, but seriously, I mean, so now they're defunding libraries and I want, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All of mine are behind me. I was trying me. to find all the nerd All of your books, books are right behind me, but they're too far away. Anyway, oh. so so I want to, so book banning, defunding libraries, but also what Gen Z is doing, how it affects them, what they're doing about it, what we should be doing about it. It's ties to Nazism. I mean, this is serious, serious stuff. And it is, um, it is debasing uh, one of the most fundamental aspects of democracy. And quite honestly, it it also has huge implications for how we educate our children if we educate them, et cetera. So uh, that's next week. Hopefully uh, as many of you can be here as possible. Um, I think uh, I think it's it's one of the most important topics that that we're we're facing today. Brian, you want to follow yeah, up? Yeah, I just want to follow up on Danielle and, and uh, what Brown Mary Trump watch said over there. Uh, first, look, nothing's going to change. What You're going to get the appearance of change at Fox. Why? Right. Because let's count the 787 million reasons why. That's why. Because they got whacked with the largest settlement ever. If you really want to make fundamental change in media, it, CNN isn't going to change. They're going to maybe they'll drift to where there's a, a a larger revenue stream, but it is all about the revenue. If you want to make legitimate change to media, there is no way you can do it without taking what Biden said he wanted to do with other uh, industries, and that is bust up the monopolies with yes. six major companies that dominate ninety percent of what you see, read, or hear. You simply cannot have a diversity of opinion. Danielle, that's why you don't want to be on television. Exactly. I get it. I feel you. Because you there is no diversity of ownership. There is no diversity of opinions. There are I, there are six six boardrooms that control what we see, read, or hear. Hey, Brian, for, for context. I'll guarantee you none of those people in those six boardrooms are liberal or are they black or are they female? They are mostly old white guys who determine exactly what it is that we see, read, or hear. And until we take, and, and uh, this is something that we have to hold our legislators to, this is something that we have to hold the president to. You, If you're talking about diversification, you must bust up the media monopolies. And by the way, that would put more reporters out on the field. How? Real simple. For example, when Gannett buys up these mega companies, buy up the newspapers, what they do is, all right, look, I have eight papers. I don't need... Uh, eight different reporters in D.C. covering it. I can have one covering it for all eight. So you, you, there are there. In fact, there is a newspaper owned by Gannett right now in Southern California that has no reporters at all. They simply reprint what other Gannett papers publish. The Courier Journal, Louisville Times, the Des Moines uh, Register. Those were once very big regional newspapers, which have very small staffs now owned by Gannett, destroying local coverage. And again, right. if you want the best coverage, it starts locally. And, and Danielle, you do deserve to be on TV. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing. I can tweet and have, and I pointed this out in the White House, I have tweeted out something that'll get two or three million views in 15 minutes before the press, before the television stations can 
take the video, cut the video, put it on their show and put it on the air. Those people are now not nearly as important as they pretend to be in, in the White House or covering Congress. Those people at the major networks are not, do not have an audience and they are defending their territory and trying to keep people like you, Danielle, and people like you, Waj, and people like me out of it so that they can feed their mall. And it's got to change. If it doesn't change, journalism is dead. And you see it when you watch, when you watch Fox and you see Tucker Carlson and when you watch Fox and you see Hannity and you see that it, in their text, what they say. And it, I beg everyone to go and read some of that stuff and just read what they're doing. They are pandering to an audience to make money. Of course and, they are. And that, that's the very definition of, of a no quick follow-up. Um, can I just give one line of context? To that sure, so sorry. For listeners. No, just so they know. I get on that and, rant. I can't get off. <laughs> I know, man. You're on the sauce. It's All, the, all right, the come on. Let's sauce. go, Cliff. Let's okay, go. Okay, here Norman we go. Very has something to say 60, and Jen has something to say. There were 60-something companies that owned media, media companies that owned entities in, you know, here in the 1980s. So we've gone from 60 something owners of our media to six for people. I think yeah. that provides good context as to what's happened. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a disaster. So I, uh, sorry, Norm and then Jen or Jen and then Norm. Uh, no, Jen first. Okay, go ahead, Jen. It never amazes me how little actual news there are on cable news stations that have 24 hours to fill. They take the same story that all of them are covered with the same limited talking points. They're like politicians and they just regurgitate it all day long. They never look at any subject in depth. They never go beyond those few subjects because they're afraid someone's going to click over to see something else. It is a completely wasted resource. They don't report they don't uncover things. They report what other people uncover sometimes. They regurgitate what Tucker, Tucker Carlson was saying, so they give him an even bigger platform to propagandize this crap. But it's not news. And they're not serving as news organizations. And I think Brian is right. Cliff is right. Part of the problem would help by diversification. But it's also a matter of realizing that, you know what, we're all, what, over the age of 40-ish, I'll be 45-ish, something like that. There's a we're whole not Gen Z. Yeah, the whole generation of people who aren't watching television at all. It's a dying right. media altogether. Yeah. Yeah. So the next media generation is going to be controlled and going to be informed by people who know how to present media in ways that, Gen X, Gen Z, actually get their media because it's only dying because we're killing it. And 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 well, it's being allowed to happen. I think is a, maybe a better way of putting it. But you know, Norm, what um, what worries me too is that yes, obviously representation matters, but it's also cultural, and we see this with law enforcement agencies. You know, people tend to drift towards the power, and it. Like, I don't think diversity is enough at this point. Um, but anyway, that's just an observation, Norm. Go ahead and, and take sure. off where you want to. And, and, and let me note again that military bases all around the world have Fox News up 24-7. But I, I want to make a point about Fox. Uh, that is a, a point I made about the NRA. Um, you know, Playboy magazine was this huge monolith for decades and made Hugh Hefner a fortune. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they would say people would read the articles, but the whole idea was the Summerfold was like the girl next door. Mm -hmm. And it was in a relative way pristine. They never showed much that was explicit. Mm -hmm. They showed breasts and sort of a little bit down there, but not much. And then along came Penthouse right. and it took their advertisers and it took their subscribers. And what did they do? They moved to the right and became raunchy. And what we've seen with Fox is, and this is, you know, Tucker going, they're not going to replace Tucker with anybody who is uh, diluted in any fashion because they're not going to allow Owen or any of the others to get to the right of them. And they're going to exacerbate these cultural uh, divides and wars as Tucker did. And remember, Tucker left 
bloodshed behind. People died as a result of what he did. He, no he helped to destroy faith and democracy. Uh, so there's more. And I want to make just one other point, and uh, we can elaborate on it when we do the show on book banning. I listened to this wonderful interview of Judy Bloom that Terry Gross did uh, on Fresh Air. And what particularly struck me is that in a lot of states, they're banning uh, the book um, about uh, Are You There, God? Uh, it's Me, Margaret, mm-hmm. which is all about menstruation and kids who don't know and and have no idea if this is normal or not normal or worry about when they're going to get it and their friends get it. And they're now going to prevent teachers from talking about it. And I'm just thinking of the damage that's going to be done to these young girls who are probably whose parents won't talk to them about it, who don't know what's going on or who think that they're abnormal. And this is a it's not just banning books that deal with race, with slavery, with uh, uh, Anne Frank or any of the rest of it. It is we're going to have a generation of kids with mental health issues because of all of this pernicious stuff. And we have to go on the offensive in a big way against this. It is uh, pernicious in, in, uh, to the nth degree. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to that point, Norm, to, to make explicit the idea that one of the agendas on the right is to make children who are part of the LGBTQ plus community, who are children of color or who are girls feel shameful or frightened about their very being. And that, that should, that we should all be running around with our hair on fire because the cruelty of that project, it just underscores my, my opinion. They don't care about children at all and during covid what they proved to me is they don't care about their own children either and if people feel that way they will stop at nothing to get what they want so that's the enemy we're facing um it was so great to have so many of you today but you know give it gave everybody a little less time to talk so i want to wrap up though i want to hear from everybody now that we we got the shocking news that biden is running for re-election who could have seen that coming um i want everybody at least those of you who are supportive of this uh, move uh, to give me a campaign slogan (laughs) because we um, need to understand something very important. And again, this is my opinion. I think Joe Biden has one thing against him and it's, it's being made to be worse than I think it, it is, but he's 80. That's, that's the one strike against him. Donald Trump also has one strike again, only one. And it's that he's Donald Trump. Okay. So, (laughs) you know, those two things are very different in scope, right? (laughs) So uh, who wants to start? I know I'm putting all of you on. Awesome. Jen. Democracy versus fascism. Let's we're making t-shirts. Absolutely. Uh, Danielle. I'm like stealing it from Waj, but I'm saying, Ten toes down for Joe, like, and because demo- democracy is going down. No. <laughs> That's it. I love Either it. ten toes down or democracy goes down. Those are your choices. Yep, exactly. Uh, Cliff. I don't know. These just came to me, but I think it'd be a fun playoff of, of theirs. Democracy first. Mm. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, because it it absolutely upends the nonsense that you know. One, they're putting America first, or two, that the America they have in their heads is anywhere near to being a democracy. Uh, Brian, I'm picking on you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Democracy now. I think Amy Goodman might have uh, some uh, <laughs> trademark hey, issues better. with that. Vote early, vote often. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that. I think that's only allowed in Georgia. Um, <laughs> Not for us. Wash. <laughs> that's right. For, if Old. But reliable. <laughs> and I, that would get him licking, but keeps on kicking. I would, I would, I would own it. No, in all seriousness, I would own it. And I, and I'm so glad to see that. I don't know if you all saw that they're selling dark Brandon T-shirts. Own yes. Dark Brandon, dark Brandon yes. rises. 
Yeah, I I don't know if you guys have uh, seen the 404 page on the campaign website, but it's it's something like, hey, Jack, let's get you to the right place. And it's it's Biden with his dark Brandon glasses. It's just it's awesome. Uh, Norm, how about you? Um, so uh, how about seasoned leadership? Yep. And if not that, make democracy great again. Yeah, I, I love it. And you know what I think what, what's great about all these these campaign slogans is one, it just shows you that we do need to come up with something pithy and easy to remember and, and punchy, but that not everything appeals to everybody. Like we need some we need some just straightforward, this is the way it is, and uh, you know, like old but reliable, you know, it, it works. Trump isn't like gonna work. Season <laughs> Trumpism doesn't work. Well, fuck, fuck Trump. <laughs> well, I, I can't wear that T-shirt, but I guess my daughter might have a problem with it. Well, you know, you know. I, 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 I just want to say I, everyone's going to attack him for being old. All the polls have come out, but I think if he owns it, like just own it, lean into it's it. It's kind of like a Reagan. He does need to lean into, into it. Mondale, right? When Reagan took that issue off the table, calling Mondale the. Uh, Young and inexperienced. Exactly, yeah. and 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 to a in a different degree, Benson did that with Quail in terms of um, uh, experience and and what have you. Yeah, but Jack Kennedy, yeah. I, I think that um, you know we need to. The Democrats have to be again have to like you. What all of you have just said. Just face it. He's eighty. You know he's not young man. I mean, and if if we were. I don't think we should go this far, but you know, old but sane or something. Um, because the thing that that is just mind blowing, and I Absolutely. think I think by normalizing it and just making it okay, Donald's four years younger. It's not like he's a spring chicken, right. you know. So we need to take away their one line of attack. And why do they use it? Because, like I said, it's the only thing they've got. So I love the idea of focusing, you know, diffusing that issue, focusing on the reliability, because that's what a lot, not not all of us want that. All, some of us want revolution, but a lot of us want reliable. I want reliable revolution. How about older, but sane? Yeah. <laughs> how about, you know, old how, about you have that. how about this is my real face? <laughs> 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 oh God! This is my real hair. Well played. Yeah. Elliot. How about uh, old? But damn, I look good. I, too soon. I, I like what Biden says sometimes when he comes out. And we start asking him questions. He just looks at us. And says, oh come on, man! <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, really quickly. I'm sorry. I almost forgot about this. Uh, as I mentioned at the the beginning, uh, Harry Belafonte has left us at the age of 96, and I just wanted to mm. thank you to him for his beautiful voice, his music, and his activism, and if anybody wanted to add anything. I, I will say, I, I, I tweeted this morning that one of my wonderful moments in my life was at a Kennedy Center's honors. He was there, and I went over to introduce myself, and he stopped me, and he said, I know who you are. I read your stuff. Oh, <laughs> what a cool I moment. Voted on that. For that is a beautiful thing. Let's end there. That is just, I love everything about that. So thank you. Um, it was so good to have all of you here today. Uh, seriously, Danielle Moody, Brown Mary, Wajali. Good to have you back, my friend. Brian Karam, Cliff Schechter, Dahlia Lithwick, Jen Rubin, Norm Ornstein. Thank you, my friends. It was so good to see you. And don't forget, uh, next Tuesday, we're going to do a deep dive into book banning, what it means and what we need to do about it. Uh, and I will, I'll see you soon. Stay safe, everybody. You. Take care, guys. Well, that was nice. With us, the first time we've had so many Nerd Avengers in one place in a while. So uh, I'm really happy that you are all here to see everybody. Um, sorry, my my brain kept freezing you know taxes not my thing um anyway i just wanted to remind you that we will be uh, assuming that i stay healthy which i'm doing my best to do uh we will be back on friday for the wrap uh 12 p.m eastern 9 a.m pacific 
So please join us for that. And of course, we'll be back next Tuesday with the Nerd Avengers at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for our special deep dive on book banning. Don't miss it. It is an incredibly important topic. It's something near and dear to my heart. I, it's something I think that should be on the front page of newspapers every day um, because it is one very slippery slope. And I don't want you guys to forget that the Mary Trump show is going live on stage. First show, May 7th, House of Blues in Chicago. Second show, we're at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco on May 9th. May 10th, the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon. And on May 16th, in my hometown, New York City, with the Gramercy Theater. I want you all to be there. It will be me, a couple of nerds, local special guests. It's going to be amazing. We need sanity and laughter in these quite precarious times. So tell your friends, have them tell everybody. Uh, we want you there. And if you go, please give us a shout out so we know you're coming. Uh, I seriously, I can't ma- wait to meet all of you uh, in person. Um, and I think that's it. Other than, of course, you can uh, listen to the show um, on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that does it for us today. I will see you Friday again for the wrap, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind. <laughs>